Welcome to Church in the Valley. Um, glad you're all here to worship with us. Uh, a few years ago, I was driving down the freeway and heard an ad on the radio that I was listening to for a, uh, for a mortgage company. And at the time, I was really in the process of trying to find a company to refinance our home mortgage. And the, one of their catch, you know, one of the lines to really draw you in said something like, do you have a prepayment penalty? We'll waive that for you. And I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's nice of them. They're willing to waive my prepayment penalty for me. And that was really one of the things that was holding me back in doing a refinance. I, I had this prepayment penalty that if I got out of my current loan, the conditions where I'd have to pay a certain portion as a penalty in order to do a new, a new loan. And they were, here they are, they're, they're willing to offer this to us for free. And I'm like, wow, they're really looking out for me. And so believing them, taking them at their word, I, I go out and I make a phone call and talk to this guy on the phone just driving down the road. And uh, I think his name was Edward. And we're, I'm talking to him, and I, just, I said, now, it said on the radio that, you know, you would waive the prepayment penalty. That's right, sir, we will. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's the only reason I'm calling because that's the thing that I really would like to, to see happen. And so we go through the process, and if you've ever been through it, it's kind of a lengthy process. And, and every time I talk to this guy, Edward, I just say, now, now, Edward, we're still on track, right? We're still tracking. There's not going to be a prepayment penalty, right? Oh, yeah, sir, no problem, Mr. Del Rosa. We're going to take care of it. Well, down to the very day, the, they had sent a, a person like a notary, to come by the house and have us sign the loan documents. And if you've ever done that, it's a big stack, like lots of pages, and you're just sitting there signing. You don't really know all of what you're signing. You know, and there's pages that have all this fine print on them. Well, he's not really explaining the fine print. He's just saying, sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. So we're signing, and then realizing, you know, we better take a look at all that we're signing. So we begin to read the fine print and learn that they had kind of, snuck the prepayment penalty back into the loan just somewhere else, and they also charged us fees that they so were like, man. And we, we brought this up to the guy who, who really wasn't from the mortgage company. He was just kind of a messenger, and he didn't know how to answer the questions. And Wow, the fine print. You know, Do we ever read the fine print? If we hadn't read the fine print, we would have been in worse shape because we would have taken on more to our loan that we really had wanted. We wouldn't have got what we were looking for. Um, but does anybody ever read the fine print? Think of all the things you sign, documents you get. Do you ever read what's written in the fine print? Anybody love to do that? You know, probably not. Well, fine print is often just mistaken for insignificant detail. That's just not that important. It's fine print, you know. And, but if you look at the fine print, sometimes you discover some very, very important details. And in, in life, we encounter all sorts of fine print. All sorts of little things, as I'm going to call them through this message, that we kind of treat that way. We just we gloss over it. There's certain actions, certain thoughts, certain actions, certain choices. Really, we just see them as fine print. We believe that there's not really a significance to them, and so we just move down the road. You know, anytime you think or you say something like, oh, it's, it's fine, you know, or it's not, it's not a big deal, or, oh, that's good enough, we're kind of saying... Oh, it's just, that's just a little thing. It's not that important. It, it reinforces this belief that the little things in life really don't matter. And since we have, we kind of have a value ranking system, and, and all of us is a little different, you know. You value certain things, and so whether something is a little thing for, for you um, depends on how, how much importance you place or you believe that thing, how important you believe that thing is. So maybe your car, maybe that's 
a little thing that you, you care very little about and you're willing to let it get um, borrowed and different things. Or maybe your car is not a little thing. It's a big deal for you. And so you're very careful with it. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm really tempted to ignore the little things. It's just easier, it seems like, to just ignore the little things in life. And I, I don't know if you feel that same way. Do you know those things that you just don't want to pay attention to? Like maybe you're under pressure and you say some things that are hurtful. And you feel like, well, it's not that big of a deal. I don't need to go and deal with that or I don't need to clear that up. Or, or maybe it's, it's those chores that are your responsibility to do, but for whatever reason you feel like, yeah, I, I couldn't get around to it. So it's just a little thing. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. You know, there truly are some little things in life, you know. There's some things about my car that are that are falling apart, but they're really little things, like the visor. It's got this stuff peeling off, and I'm like, oh, it annoys me when I look at it. But it's really not that important to me that I have to go and fix it, you know. But as I've been, as I've been walking with God, I've learned that there's some things that I call little that have some real significant value and have great impact on my life. And as I've been a part of Church in the Valley over the past eight years, I've really picked up that there's a lot to the little things. There's a lot more to the little things than I had thought when I first arrived. And I've been challenged to really adopt a different set of values as I've been coming around this church and as people have shared their life with me. I've picked up on some things that they value. And it's, it's raised the value of the little things for me. And so I'd like to share with you some of those things this morning. Because we live in a day and age where little things really don't matter. And it seems like only the significant things in life are rewarded. You know, if you do something really, really important that's by the world standards, then you get praise for that. There's just not a lot of praise when you just do the little things. You know, you do your chores, no one comes and says, hey, good job for doing the things that was expected of you today. You know, or you, you said a, a kind word. You don't usually get kudos for doing the little things. But when we pay attention to little things, um, someone else is paying attention. The first is... First thing is this, that God, he sees the little things. He's paying attention. He sees those inconsequential details that we sometimes dismiss. I was reminded of this. A few weeks back, I was invited to a day game, an Angels day game, and um, down at Anaheim Angels Stadium. And it was like a, I think it was a Wednesday. And the game is at 1235, and so I, uh, I had permission to go to this game from my boss. And, and he happened to be at the game with his wife, with uh, with his wife on a date, and so uh, anyway, it's a day game, and so this was kind of a funny thing that showed up on the on the jumbotron screen, and a big question pops up, and it says, "Does your boss know where you're at?" And you know, because it's a day game, so it's kind of a you know, it's kind of funny. Everyone's looking at it, and I'm thinking, "Yeah, he knows where I'm at, and in fact, he's here too." You know, he might be looking, making sure I'm here, and not down the no he, but but I I thought, you know what, would be funny. I'm going to send him a text message and say, does your boss know where you're at? <laughs> so, so I shoot this text message over to Randy, trying to be smart, I guess. And, 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 and interestingly enough, there was a response from Randy that said, uh, he said, he always knows where I'm at, Hebrews 4.13. <laughs> and so I, I look it up. I look it up in my, in my, in my I have a Bible on my phone, and so it, there's nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And, you know, after, after we kind of chuckled, one of the guys that I was with 
said that. That must be pastor's, pastor's humor right there, you know, pastoral humor, or insider joke or something. And so, but really there was a real truth conveyed there. He took an opportunity to, to teach in a sense. And it was in a funny way. It's neat that you can use humor to teach some things. And what a sobering thought that God is always present. We can't hide anything from him. We can't slip one past him and assume that he's just going to miss it like he's falling asleep. You know, and, and Randy, you know, his reply really reminded me that God sees the little things, you know. You can't pull one on him. You might be able to pull one on your boss. You might be able to pull one on your, your friends, your spouse, the people around you. But God, you can never pull one on him. He sees the little things. This idea is really communicated in another uh, verse, Ecclesiastes 12:14. It says this, says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. There's really a, a response. Because God sees the little things, and, and he will actually respond to the little things. And, and you know, as a boy at the age of 11, I really didn't believe that to be true. And so I, I, I would think, ah, I can hide things. I can do things and cover things up. And... I, I did a really stupid thing as an 11-year-old boy. I went and stole some stink bombs from a store. And I thought it was really funny, you know, and I thought I'd be really cool to do this. And me and a buddy were doing this together. And I was, to be honest with you, I was kind of the instigator, and he was kind of the muscle. Because he was a big guy, and he'd get us out of trouble. But I would come up with these goofy plans and stuff. And So we took these stink bombs, and we thought we covered our tracks. We made sure no one was looking, and we planned this out, and we'd go, and we, it was really... An evil thing to do. So we took these things. We go to the baseball field where we were playing ball. This was kind of between games. And we started throwing these stink, stink bombs all over the place and stinks, you know. And, well, this one kid thought, oh, you better give me some of those stink bombs or I'm going to tell on you. And so he told us that. He said, I'll tell if you don't give me some. And so my friend said, well, I'll beat you up if you do. So, but he still told on us. And uh, so the word got around school. And... Not long into the week, we got a phone call at my house, and it was the vice principal, who my mom was the PTA, the head of the PTA at our school, and so she knew him well, and I knew him well, <laughs> and so I answered, and he said, yeah, Josh, can I talk to your mom? And I, I was like, oh, no. It has, the day of reckoning is here. I knew, I, I couldn't, I tried to cover my tracks, I couldn't pull one on him. So I ran to my mom, and I told her. I have to tell you something, Mom. You know, I broke down, put on this show, and I stole some stink bombs. I'm really sorry. Oh, by the way, Mr. Neubacher wants to talk to you on the phone. And, you know, but, but let me tell you, the judgment came swiftly, and I paid the price for that one, not just for my mom, but for my dad. And, you know, you just can't pull fast ones on God. You know, he brings judgment. He brings it different ways, you know, but it may not come immediately. It may come years down the road. But God is watching. He really sees what's going on. And he. So the second thing is this. He responds to the little things. God responds to the little things. You know, that last verse out of Ecclesiastes really alludes to the fact that he does respond. Proverbs 14:24. It says this. It says, The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the, fool, but the folly of fools fools." Yields folly. That's kind of a mouthful at the end. The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fools is their or yields folly. You know, the scriptures 
say basically life generally goes better for people who walk with God and try to handle life God's way. That's what wisdom is. The wise man walks with God and does life his way. And one of the things that you, you reap, one of the responses is, is wealth. You know, there's this idea of you will build wealth over time. Not, not that you're going to necessarily be this rich person, but that God, um, that's just one of the things is, is, is he, he actually adds, you know, he actually brings blessing into our life. And just, just one of the things, there's a lot of areas that God ends up responding to when we handle the little things. But there's also this other idea, contrast a fool who has a really different approach to life. Rather than doing life God's way and handling life um, according to God's plan, he, he basically just looks for the easiest way out. He takes shortcuts in life. In order to get what, what he wants, this fool just goes after whatever he wants. And he ends up really right where he started. He doesn't get anywhere. He makes no progress. He still has his folly. And that approach really ignores both the fact that God sees the little things. When we take, and maybe, I don't know about you, but I can identify with the looking for an easier way in life to get what I want. When I do that, it ignores the fact that God sees the little things and the response to the little things. But what happens is as we do that, God just kind of blocks our ability to make progress. If we look for shortcuts in life and we don't handle the things that he wants us to handle, it's kind of like we hit a wall at a certain point. We hit a brick wall and we're not able to make further progress in life until we're willing to deal with the things that are before us, the little things especially. And maybe you've been really asking God to help you break through in a certain area or you just feel like, man, I'd really like to advance in my life or advance in my career or be a better this or that. But you're not handling the little things in life. Well, you can't, you can't ignore them. We just can't ignore the little things Could God responds to them. Our progress in life always depends on the little things. And I really found this to be true. Recently, I was trying to get some done, things done here for church. And I was, I, was, I was stuck on some projects that I just couldn't make progress in. <clears throat> and I, I'd sit down to work on them, and I just felt like, man, I, just, I can't get my thinking to clear up. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around what needs, to be, what needs to be worked out here. And I just couldn't, I couldn't make progress. So I began to, to look at what, what, what am I not doing in my life? Are there some things I've, I've missed? Is there something I've, I've neglected to do? And I realized, God brought to my mind that I, that I needed to pay somebody back some money. And I just, I knew I owed this guy $50. And it, it seemed, you know, initially God brought it to mind. And I'm like, well, it's been so long, it's probably not a big deal, you know. And so I put it out of my mind and I didn't deal with it initially. Tried to get the same, the same thing done. And I just, it's like I couldn't make progress. And so I knew I wasn't going to get very far until I dealt with this little thing. I owed someone money. So I went and paid this person back their $50, and I was able to work out the, the, the things I was work, trying to work out at, at, on the job. It really, it's not just this, you know, when you think God responds to little things, he really does. You know, I've, I've seen that. And it comes up in very, very real practical ways. It brushes across real life, like your family, like your job, like your uh, decisions, like your future. That's all very much tied to the little things. And the last thing is this, is that my stewardship is a result of the little things. My stewardship is a result of the little things. Your stewardship is, is the things that you're responsible for. What you are currently responsible for is directly linked 
through how you've handled the little things. And Jesus, he told this story about a, a, a manager. Let's, let's read this together. Matthew 25, 14 through 21. It should be up there. It says this. What do you have? Do you have the whole thing? Yeah. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property then. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. And the man who had received the five talents went at once, and he put the money to work, and he gained five more talents. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. So these two guys handled their responsibility. They took the little things they were given, and they put the money to work, and they actually made some money off it. Verse 18, but the man who had received the one talent, the single talent, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents, he brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. Look at his response. He says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Or you've been faithful with the little things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Our stewardship is connected to the little things. It's a result of the little things in life. Two of the servants really paid attention. They went after it. They got to work. They put the money to work, and they made a return on it. And the other one, he just ignored it. He made no money, not even interest. The passage continues that the manager, or the master came back, he took the one talent from the guy who made no money and just hid it, and he gave it to the one who now had ten. So that one actually received more responsibility. Or he received more because he was faithful, faithful with the little things. And the one who did nothing with his money actually lost responsibility, or he lost part of his stewardship. And so our stewardship is tied to the way we handle these little things. And it will go up as we handle things wisely and faithfully, and it will go down as we, as we drop the ball on things. And I've seen this over and over again in my own life to where I, I, if, I'm, if I'm unfaithful with something, then I really lose trust. I lose, um, I lose responsibility. I lose opportunities to be faithful. But as I handle things right, it's just the opposite. God really does give me more to work with in life. And leaders in life... And in ministry are those who've actually handled the little things and they don't neglect them. You know, you, you think, well, when I lead, if I ever become a real leader, then someone else can deal with the little things, you know. Someone else can work. I'll just deal with the big things because that's what leaders do. But you really never can let go, even as a leader. You can't ever let go of the little things. That's proven every time a CEO of some major company, um, you know, is found out about that they were, you know, working something illegally on the side, or they were, they were, you know, pumping up their numbers that their company had, and just because these leaders sometimes, as leaders, we can't ever let go of the little things. And when that happens, at least in the case of many CEOs of large corporations that have taken advantage, they lose their stewardship. Some of them even have gone to jail. They lose a lot of privileges because of that. So. A good question to ask is, are, are my responsibilities growing? Am I, and it's not just, you know, we think, wow, you know, the more I'm faithful with things, the less I'll have to do in life, or the easier my life will get. It's really not true. The more faithful you are, the more complex and the more things you have to steward, but God really wants you to handle those things wisely. But are, are your responsibilities growing? 
You know, sometimes we're passed over for a promotion. You know, you really have your eyes on something like a promotion. You put your name in for it and you don't get it. And you think, well, it must not have, must not have been my time. Or it just wasn't meant to be, you know. We kind of, we phrase it in like a fate, into fate. We say, you know, we'll leave it up to fate. Eh, this wasn't meant to be. Well, no, that's not actually the case. There's something tied to the way we're handling the little things and how God begins to open doors for stewardship, more stewardship in our life. There really is a connection. When God gives you something, he really, he will keep a close eye on those things. And then as we handle it faithfully, he hands us a little bit more. And since little things matter, we should pay real careful attention to all these little things. There's three categories, um, at least. There's, there's, there's a handful of things that fit into this little things. But, but I, I think there's at least three categories, broad categories, that you really want to pay attention to in life. And these are some areas that, as I've been coming around CIV, I've really tried to work on. And I've, because people have been working with me on these areas. So, it really matters when, first, I choose my words carefully. The, the whole arena of how we use our words, our speech, everything that comes out of our mouth. The Bible has a lot to say about this area. I choose my words carefully. That's a, that's a little thing. Sometimes we say things and we're like, eh, not a big deal. But it really is a, it's an important, you know, words are small. Scriptures talks about it like, you know, sparks and creates giant problems and fires. And, you know, the wrong words can really set things in the wrong direction. It's a little thing, though. We can just gloss over it. Ephesians 4.29. This is one of the verses that, that we learned, um, that I learned in a discipleship group, um, in a discipleship group probably five years ago, maybe. I don't know, four or five years ago. We had to, to memorize this verse. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And we had to go to this discipleship group and repeat this, um, repeat this scripture and memorize it. You know, you learn scriptures and, and you get them in, in your head and then, and then God uses things to drive them deeper in your heart. Um, our, our leader, he really modeled that this is a really important scripture. You know, that when unwholesome things come out of our mouth, it, it hurts, but we want to use our words to, to really help. None of us. Nobody here can say, I never um, violate this, this principle. Because we, we say so much and it's so easy. Wouldn't you all agree? It's so easy to just let careless words come out of our mouth. And we were playing a basketball game. It was a D-group basketball game. We were competition against another discipleship group from our church. And our leader, he got hit in the face, elbowed in the face on accident, going up for a ball. And something flew out of his mouth. And he and I he told me you could share this story, Josh. And 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 he said, you know, and you know, I think we all could identify when you get hit in the head, something probably is going to come out of your mouth that you might have to take back. And so, at least I could identify with that. So I didn't think much of it. Eh, not a big deal, you know. But he brought us all together in the next meeting, and he he cleared that up, and he said, you know, that was that was not right. That was that was wrong. And it really he 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 set the pace for us in watching what we say. And as I think that was the first time I really saw someone do that. And then since then, I've noticed Randy and others, you know, Randy will, he'll call and he'll say, you know, I said this and that was wrong. Would you forgive me for that? I'm like, wow, that's, he's paying really careful attention to his words. And when that happens, 
God really responds to that. You know, he really blesses us as we, as we try to choose our words carefully and not just treat them as insignificant things. Once they're gone, they're gone, and we don't ever have to, to deal with them or, or clear them up. You know, Proverbs 18.21, it says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It has great power. Great power. And, you know, we, we kind of all thrive on when people use words that bless us. You know, the scripture in Ephesians 4.29, it says, you know, that our words should be used to build others up. This idea of, like, you're building a house, building others up according to their need. We want that. And if it doesn't happen, um, you know, our lives, I think we go looking for that. Words are really, really important. And we have a real crucial role to play in in handling words and encouraging people and in using our words that will bless people. There's, it's kind of funny because this is, um, because sometimes people, you know, aren't getting encouragement or people aren't getting, um, receiving um yeah, encouragement. We go looking for it in different places. In New York City, there's a sidewalk, piece of sidewalk art. Maybe you've seen this on the news or read it in the paper. But there's this guy who built this box, a big red and white box with a speaker in the middle. And he's recorded 150 complimentary phrases on his iPod. And he put it in the box with a speaker. And so it's just, you know, it's randomly saying compliments to people. So people actually, according to the LA Times, actually kind of have changed their route to work so they can get a little dose of encouragement in the morning. They go walking by it. Things like your hair looks good or, you know, and, you know, you look stunning this morning. And it's just random phrases because this guy knew the impact of words. You know, this was kind of a pick-me-up for people in the morning. And in a really, um, actually I said New York City, it was Washington, D.C., in a place where there's just a lot of tension and words are really important. People may not be getting them. But we know this to be true. We know Words have a great impact on us because we have all, we all bear the scars of being damaged by hurtful words. And, you know, sometimes we've been the one dishing them out. So God wants us to really look at this area of words and talk and see it not just as this little insignificant thing, but as something really great. So he gives us details on how to do that. Here's just a couple of areas. Ecclesiastes 5, 2 through 7. He talks about careless words and shallow promises. Careless words and shallow promises in, in this passage. Ecclesiastes 5, 2 through 7 says this. It says, do not be quick with your mouth. Like, you know, carelessly just saying words. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and you're on earth. So let your words be few. As the dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Like it's better not to make a promise if you can't, if you can't follow through. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest at the temple messenger saying, my, my, my vow was a mistake. Or why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore stand in awe of God. So we really, he's, he's saying, you've got to pay attention to your words. Because they can go awry. They can go, and we can treat them as little things and feel like, I don't need to worry about it, but they're very valuable. They have great impact on our life and the lives of the people around us. So that's the first area, is choosing our words. Next is, I handle my responsibilities faithfully. Everything that you have is a stewardship. 
1 Corinthians 4.2, it says, Now it's required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful with it. So there is a, there's a need for us to handle the little things that we have. What are you responsible for? Think about your life. Are you a parent, spouse, a teacher? Do you set up chairs here at church? Do you, do you run, operate some equipment in the back? Everything that we have, you know, we think, you know what? It's just a little thing. You know, I'll, I'll really handle this faithfully when I'm given the role that I want. But until then, I'll just get the job done. You know, have you ever thought that thought? I just, it's not that big. No one's really depending on me. So it really doesn't matter. But it really matters. God sees the little things in our life. It's no accident that he's placed you in the positions that he's placed you in. And he's given you the responsibilities because that's the testing ground that he's using to shape the direction of your life. And he's shaping your future through the present day responsibilities that you have. And if we, if we feel like, you know what, I just want to shortcut the process, God, and get to the place I want to be. I want the responsibilities that I'm good at or the things that I deserve. Then we shortcut the process of testing that God's trying to use. We shortcut what God's trying to do in growing us and, and challenging us to be faithful in the little things. What happens is if we, if we arrive and we get some leadership that was unearned, if we've not been faithful, we can't really hold on to it. It's like trying to hold some water and just falls through our fingers, you know, and our responsibility is gone. You know, we lose that because we haven't been faithful in the past, and so we really lose our leadership. And it looks different for different people. It looks different at different times. But this principle is really true. We need to handle our responsibilities faithfully. Paul, in Philippians 2, 19 through 22, he said of a guy named Timothy that he handled things well. He said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I received news about you, that I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. That's the idea. He's proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. Paul highlights this man, Timothy, who is now being given more responsibility over this church because he was faithful in the past responsibilities that he had he faithfully served this guy paul and he'd proven himself now he's being given a new assignment and he's he's a great example of someone who's working hard under authority we all find ourselves under authority and that's an area that we that we need to be faithful and you feel like well it's somebody else's deal it's somebody else's um, somebody else's business so we'll let them care about those things i'll just get the bare minimum done oh you know this is a guy timothy was faithful in somebody else's ministry, and then God gave him his own ministry. And that's a really important principle. Randy has been one of the few bosses that I've ever had that has held me to my commitments in this, in this job. And I told him that recently. And at times I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking, man, that is just, that's not right. But it really is right, you know, to hold people to their responsibilities. If if you're the leader over them, it really helps people in this process that God is, is moving us through. And I am very grateful for that. The last thing is this. Not just our words and our responsibilities, but I make my choices intentionally. We have all sorts of choices, decisions. The idea of making decisions and how do I handle decisions. Decisions and choices are a very, very important part of life that we think, well, I make so many of them. They must not be that important. We make 
so many of them each day that they must not be a big deal. And a pastor that I uh, recently got to talk to, he talked to me about the way I'm wired and, and the way he's wired, and which seems to be somewhat similar in just our approach towards things. And he shared with me kind of his plan for how to have a, have a, how to have a, a productive work schedule. And I thought, you know what? That, that could really help me because if I'm not careful, I just make choices that are haphazard and random. I don't think I don't do the best job of planning out my work schedule. And if I don't do a good job of that, then I, I usually fail to get the important things done. And when it comes to people, because I'm wired like a more of a I lean more towards tasks and getting tasks done, then I really make no time at some points for people, which are, you know, they're they really matter, too. So. So he gave me some tips on this that, you know, here, here's here's how you do this. And he, he laid it out for me. That was really helpful. Maybe you're not like me and in in that you're maybe you're more of a people person and you're. You kind of bounce from person to person and encounter to encounter. And tasks are like things that you, they're like noise in the background. You're like, I know I need to get to them sometime. Well, in the same way, you have to kind of make choices on how to, how to still get things done in life. You have to still make choices intentionally so that you don't drop the ball on important tasks, things that you're responsible to steward. But that's a matter of making choices intentionally. Proverbs 14:15 it just says, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. I just want to encourage you that since we make thousands of choices, to really to, to stop and think, you know, to stop and give thought to those choices as you're going about your day, and not just gloss over them like little things. It's like the fine print, you know. Just take a moment in life to look at the fine print. These things, like our words, our responsibilities, our choices. These are things that God is using to get our attention. And we sometimes have to look very closely at them like fine print. You know, fine print is a lot smaller, and that's, I guess, the idea of fine. You've got to look closely at these things, you know. And so these are some things that God's been teaching me. He's been trying to use to, to, to train me. And um, I, I hope that God has brought something to mind that maybe an area that, that would encourage you to, to work on or to take a look at in your life. Because... The truth is, little things stack up to make, they stack up and they build our lives. It's not going to be that we arrive at the end of our lives and it's all an accident. There really is, it's a, it's a combination of all the little things in life and then we arrive. And then we look back and we go, wow, how did I get here? Well, let's hope that, that it's because we've handled the little things wisely and that God is really using us to make a difference. So let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these, um, the truths that we find in your word and just how real they are to our lives, God. Thank you that you care about us, God, that you don't see us as a little thing, that you actually um, have made a way for us to know you, God, and that you, that you want us to, to really treat certain things in life as important, God. You want us to be faithful. And um, God, it's through faithfulness that you move us on and help us make progress. And so, God, I ask you to help us find specific areas in our lives where, we, um, where, where you're speaking to, Lord. Remind us of areas where we need to um, refocus and finish well. And God, help us to, to be found faithful when you come, Lord Jesus. We pray that in your son's name. Amen.